I'm never going to apologize for winning. Breaks a tackle. Now oh, another. He's oh. inside the five. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. He is sacked. Down he goes. Tyler Hoover breaks away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. You're listening to Impact Sports Radio. This is Spartan Red Zone with your host, Dan Tyler. What's going on, Spartan fans? You are listening to the Spartan Red Zone, as always, with your host, Dan Tyler. We got a special little episode here talking about what just went on with Michigan State's Pro Day and what that means for the players' draft stocks and also looking back at the season, a little season in review action going on. But first, I would like to introduce my new co-host here we got the receiver and punt returner on the football team andre sims andre how you doing man i'm good just chilling good good now everybody was super hype about this season 13 and 1 rose bowl victory big 10 championship it was like a dream come true but you know most most of us were looking at it from the outside what was it like being on that team being in that locker room with such success going on well first of all it's a blessing to, um to be actually in in that situation, to be the team that goes to the Rose Bowl after 26 years, you know, it's a long time. It's uh, we weren't even born 26 years ago, so right. I mean, you know, people tend to forget about that, but it was a, it was a special experience for uh, the team, the coaches, the families involved, uh, the whole the whole Spartan Nation. Uh, y'all were behind us the whole way, you know, the season. It was going good, and it got even better when we got there. We won it, and we we brought, we brought it back. So I mean. It's just like one of those moments you can't forget, a moment that we won't forget. And as a, as a, um, as a person being um, in the situation and behind the scenes and knows uh, what's going on, it's it's just it's um, unreal the things that we that we accomplished this season. Absolutely, uh, unreal is a great way to describe it. You know, uh, coming off of you know a slightly disappointing 2012 campaign, people weren't sure what to expect of this this 2013 team and. I going into the season, I was talking to a lot of people about it. Uh, the general consensus was we just, you know, weren't sure what we were going to see. Le'Veon Bell was a was a workhorse, and he was gone, and that was a big worry. Um, along with people like Golston, uh, you know, it was just there were some big spots that needed to be filled, and the season was a little rough before. And I, I was telling people I thought this team could either go, you know, six and six or be an eleven, maybe twelve win team, and People were thinking, like, laughing at me, like, oh, 11 or 12 yeah. wins. You're crazy, man. But you guys went out there and got 13. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, you know, that's just, it's amazing. Like like you were saying, an amazing season. Um, but what, you know, being on the team, you've been on the team for three years, a redshirt sophomore. Um, what do you think was the biggest difference between the 2012 and 2013 seasons with that huge jump in, you know, just wins and success? Them inches, coaches talk about, you know, the inches matter the most. Um, I think in that 2012 season, it was like we were playing good throughout the whole the whole game. Each game, it was like it was a close game. But when the fourth quarter came, we just didn't have that, that inch, you know. We need it. And I think that was a big emphasis going into the 13th season, uh, the fourth quarter program, the summer program, going into camp. Everybody knew that we needed to pull off uh we we need to pull off and take off in the fourth quarter and that's what we emphasized that whole year so um i i think that this this 2013 season was was um 
a step up for us because we finished all of our games. Um, and uh, when I when I mean when I mean finish, it was just like from start to the end, from from the first whistle to the last. You know, give it everything you got. And when the fourth quarter fourth quarter comes, you put in a little extra. That's why um, when we lift now, we started the pro we started this program um, after the 2012 season. And co what Coach Manny does is he tells us to give one more rep. So that one more rep can be for Michigan. That one more rep could be for the Big Ten championship. It could be for the for the national championship, the Rose Bowl. It doesn't matter what it is. But after every, every lift, you get one more rep. You know what I'm saying? And we've been doing that for for a while now. And I think it it goes good with our motto, which is finish and um, uh, be mentally strong for the fourth quarter. And that's what we're going through right now. Actually, the fourth quarter program, um, getting up at 5:30 in the morning running um just pushing stuff uh pulling stuff just running just they try to break us down and mentally you know anybody will shut down like oh man this is hard man i don't want to get up at 5 30 in the morning i don't want to do this running you know but that's what that's that fourth quarter you know when the fourth quarter comes people get mentally tired and i feel like we're one of the elite teams now where when some when another team is you know going through it in the fourth quarter we do that one more rep. We get up at five thirty in the morning, and we're we're you know testing ourselves mentally for that quarter. So that is our quarter. The first quarter, second quarter, they might ha they might have us in the first or second quarter, third quarter. But when the fourth quarter comes, we finna take off. And if 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 you're not with it, then you can't hang with us. That's that's how we feel, you know. I like I like that attitude, that swagger. You yeah. know, that's something that that seemed to be lacking in 2012. But you guys absolutely had it this past season, and you know that that does sound like that that's you really hit the nail on the head there with saying that it was just inches you know in 2012 so uh, the tightness of those games i've never seen anything like it yeah. you know uh to have so many losses by such a small margin can definitely be wearing on you but it, it absolutely sounds like <coughs> you know i think we have one of the best coaching staffs yeah. in the country and it sounds like they really made the right adjustment there and found the way to gain those inches back and push it in your favor right and and it absolutely paid dividends you know um you mentioned you know you mentioned michigan one more rep for michigan you know you guys were probably a little a little salty after that loss at michigan in 2012 yeah uh, it was another tight tight one i believe it was 12 to 10 yeah. uh if i'm not mistaken but you know what was it like it's it's never it's never fun to lose to michigan right. it's not fun to lose games but certainly not to the in-state rivals so mm -hmm. What was it like to, to lose uh, a pretty much a heartbreaker there in Ann Arbor, but then to come back in East Lansing and really just dominate all facets of the game against them? Yeah, I don't really like talking about that team. I wasn't even supposed to say that word, but um, it's just like <laughs> it's like a I don't it that loss was like man, you know what you you kind of have it in your mind where you lost something, but. You know, like man, that was a fluke. Like you, y'all really wasn't supposed to even win that. But you live and you learn, right? So the next year we was motivated, and it was just like, you know what? Let's not leave no doubt. You know what I'm saying? Let's not leave any chips on the table. We finna let them know that last year wasn't even supposed to happen. So that's how we felt. We came in the game. We were strong. We had a good game plan, and we knew if the offense scored at least 21 points, then we were gonna win the game because the defense. The defense speaks for itself. You know what I'm saying? The top defense in the country. You're not going to score on our defense. Mm -hmm. Offense, I think offense, you know, propelled them ourselves each game. We got better each game. And 
when it came to that game, that was like mid season and we were we were in we were on a roll, you know what I'm saying? Um it just it's a different type of feeling. It's a different type of game when you play them. It's like mm-hmm. every other game is a, a game, okay, we gotta go out and we gotta play our game and do what we gotta do to win. But this game is like, you know what? We don't like you. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we're gonna put a little extra into beating you and we're gonna make sure that you feel it and then, you know, have that going on for like for years to come. We're gonna have everybody we're gonna let everybody know in Michigan who the top dog is. You know, like Coach D says, you don't wanna walk the alleys, you wanna walk the street of Michigan, right? So we that's what that's what we plan on doing for for years to come. We walk in the streets of Michigan. We're not walking behind behind anything, we're not ducking and dodging, we're not walking through no alleys, we we walk in the streets. That's how we feel. That is that's music to any Michigan State Michigan State fans' ears right there. You know, I like I grew up here in East Lansing, huge Michigan State fan my whole life, and you know, in my younger years, obviously the the football team was not not anywhere close to the caliber where it is right now, and and Michigan was the top dog. They were they weren't just walking in the streets; they were strutting in the streets, they're yeah. dancing in the streets, and and we were certainly walking the alleys and. It can definitely, you know, there definitely is a strong swing and momentum yeah. over these past years, you know, and it, and it, you know, we'll see what what next year has in store. But I think this 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 squad next year has what it takes to continue to continue that in-state dominance and keep it going on. Yeah, we got it. There's no doubt about it in my mind that, you know, for years to come now, we got the players, we got the coaches, we got the game plan. It's all about execution and what I just talked about, the fourth quarter and being mentally strong. You know, I see good things in the in the future for the Spartans. You know, so absolutely, man. Can't now. I'm, now I'm excited for 2014 to start this the, the 2014 schedule. Yeah, we got a little bit of time to wait though. Yeah, we got. <laughs> but another thing you mentioned that I like, you know, you said you guys knew if you put up 21 points, you would win. Mm-hmm. Having that amazing defense, um, and in the beginning of the year, a little bit, it looks like eerily similar to 2012 you know the the defense was putting up points and, and kind of doing everything but as the year progressed like you mentioned the offense kept getting better and better and better to the point where you know you guys you guys put up numbers on Stanford's defense one mm-hmm. of the best defenses in the country at the end of the season and I didn't think there was no chance that would happen in, in games you know one two maybe even three and four but you know game 14 when it really mattered it, it happened so do you think Having such a strong defense there to pace you, did that help you guys out a little bit too in the process? I mean, we were we would all, we were always going up against our defense. It's, it's like a competition. We knew we were good because in practice, it's like we make plays against our defense in practice, the scrimmages we make in plays. It's, it's not like we can't make plays against other people who are maybe not as good as our defense or maybe the same caliber as our defense. It's all about momentum. Like for an offense, it's harder to – it's harder to kind of get things going. For defense, all you got to do is really stop somebody. It's easy to stop somebody if they don't have a rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. So offense needs to find that rhythm or that rhythm to keep the drive going, to drive the whole length of the field, really. And that's what the main focus was for the 13th season. We we were we wanted to get we wanted to get more big plays, we wanted to get more assignment sound, to, to get the little details to get the ball moving all the way down the field and I, f- I feel like the f- the first four games is kind of like where you know where we where we gauge ourselves like how we how we can do it's not the, it's not our conference and we can just like we can kind of 
see how things go. We can try some stuff out. And then, like, when you get into the season, that's when you, you kind of got your game plan down and you know what you want to do. And I feel like those first four games, we got better each game, but it's the the, the first step is getting that rhythm for an offense. You got to get the rhythm. If you don't have the rhythm, you're not going to move the ball. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was a, a big a big jump from from 12 to 13. The 12 the 12 season we really couldn't find our rhythm throughout the whole season. But for the 13 when, we, when once we found it it was like boom, we got it. You know what I'm saying? And plus we're going against the number 1 defense in the nation. Why should why should we not be moving the ball? Is the question. And then we had people making plays left and right. Officer line is protecting Connor. Um, Connor's making big plays, scrambling and doing what he has to do. Jeremy Lang is breaking, you know, 50-yard runs and going going the distance. And we got wide receivers like Benny Fowler, Tony Lippin, McGarry Kings catching the ball. Um, it's just like we have a whole arsenal that wasn't really – I wouldn't say we didn't tap it in. We didn't tap into it in the 12 season, but we couldn't – The going back to it, finding the rhythm. You got to find that rhythm. And once you get the rhythm, then everything works itself out. You know, yeah, that's that's a, that's a great point um, about the differences and getting the offense and defense going, being about the rhythm. But you know, one of the biggest improvements, if we're you know still comparing 2012 to 2013, was with you guys, with the receivers and the receiving core. That was you know one of the big problems in 2012. Drops were happening all the time, making it a little harder for uh, Andrew Maxwell to hit them. And then you know 2013, new quarterback comes in. Pretty much the same receivers, but all of a sudden these guys are making plays, big plays when we need them. They're catching the ball, a lot fewer drops. Um, was that mainly just, you know, like you said, just finding that rhythm, getting into that rhythm, and, you know, things just fell into the place? Is that how it went? Yeah, I'm, um, and not to take anything away from Maxwell, he's a great quarterback. He has a great arm. Um, a knowledge, knowledge of the game is one of the best. He was up there with Kurt, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not to take anything away from him, not to give everything to Connor, but it's all about that rhythm. You know what I'm saying? When you can't really, when you can't find a rhythm, then you're not really gonna go anywhere as an offense. So this year it was like, and then we had more as the as a wide receiver. I know that the focus for us was to make our quarterback look better. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It didn't matter who was back there throwing the ball to us. If the ball was in the air, we had a mindset that it was coming down with us or it wasn't coming down with anybody. So. um during the summer, we would, you know, get with all the quarterbacks. We had to find the rhythm which with each quarterback because, you know, if one goes down, you got to, you know, you got to have that that rhythm with the with the next to continue, you know what I'm saying? But our main focus as a wide receiver group was to minimize drops and maximize big plays, you know, catch the catch the 50-50 balls, what, what Coach D would say, you know what I'm saying? And once once you do that, it's contagious. Once you once you catch a big ball, it's contagious. Everybody wants a little piece of the action, right? So everybody's gonna try to up their game, and that's what we did. You catch a big play, you like Tony Lippy. He catch a whole bunch of one-handed catches or big plays. Uh, Benny would come around and catch a catch a big ball. McGarrett would. I would catch a ball here and there. It's just like it's a competition amongst us all. And then once you get that competition, this is like we're catching balls left and right. So now we're we're moving the ball. We're running the ball. You know, everybody's doing what they have to do, assignment sound. And when everybody knows that the person next to them is doing their job, you don't have to worry about doing your job and the next person's job. You know what I'm saying? Everybody mm-hmm. can focus on what they got to do. Is what, And that's basically what we did this year. And 
we were good at it. You know, took us to the Rose Bowl, yeah. won a big ten, one Big Ten championship, and then it's, it just get it just gets better from here. You know what I'm saying? So we got younger players coming in, um, just as good can step in and play in any school. You know what I'm saying? So it's like the competition is there. So it's just like we haven't lost a step. That's basically what I'm saying. We haven't lost a step, and we sh- we should be even better than we were last year. That's that's a scary thought for most other college football teams. You know, this is a 13 and one team, a team with a an early loss to Notre Dame before they really got things going on. That could be better next year. Mm-hmm. We got a player saying they will be better next year. I like that. Look out, college football world. Mm-hmm. But you know, speaking of speaking of next season, let's let's look in the crystal ball. Let's look forward. Let's look ahead a little bit. Um, you know, obviously taken from what you're saying expectations are pretty high uh they always will be coming <coughs> off of a rose bowl victory so you know there's there's some pretty solid shoes that need to be filled especially on the defensive end people like darquez denard isaiah lewis you know max bolo Danico salen um the offense not as much you guys got with the exception of benny fowler the receiving core is back uh missing a few offensive linemen but langford and cook are going to be back so you know, you've, t- you've, you've talked a little bit about off-season workouts and you guys preparing for the season, but, you know, is the mindset going into the season pretty much the same as last year? You know, Big Ten champs, that's one of the main goals. Rose Bowl, one of the main goals. You know, what, what are you guys looking at? Uh, last year, you know, well, since Coach D has gotten here, the, the big goal was to get a Rose Bowl win. We got that. Now where do we go from here? What's the what's the next step? Really, a national championship? You know what I'm saying? That's really that's that's the biggest stage. You know what I'm saying? So you shoot for the stars, and um, I feel like this year, uh, that's the only thing on our mind is a national championship. We're in the top. We're in the top five. Um, you know, highly highly regarded for the season coming up. Uh, it's just that's that's really what we're focusing on right now is being a big uh, um, a big elite team uh, among. The other conferences like the SEC, the Pac-12, um, all these other big-time conferences, and we want to be one of the teams that people look at like, yeah, that that's one of the teams that we have to watch out for because you know we're going into a playoff system, yep. so it's it's not gar- it's not it's not guaranteed what, um, but I don't really know how the playoff system is going to work. I don't even know if. Um, you will the big a Big Ten team will be representing the Rose Bowl. I think it's. Uh, it has to do with uh, picking now. People, people, are, the people are picking. Yeah, it's kind of like a draft committee yeah. type thing. Yeah, sort of like the, sort of like the NCAA tournament, which is coming up the selection Sunday tomorrow. But, um, except for 64 teams, there's only four. Right. So it's a pretty, pretty tough selection yeah. process. Yeah. So I mean, besides that, our our main goal is just to get to the national championship. And if we can get, if we can stay where we are, I think we're ranked fourth, maybe. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right to me. About fourth. Yeah, we're ranked fourth, so we're already. We're, I mean, we're there. If we can just maintain and be a lead and stay doing what we're doing, you know, keep up uh, what we got going on, you know, our our next big goal would be the national championship. So, you know, that's that's pretty. Uh, it's pretty crazy to think about again, bringing it back to my childhood, watching watching Michigan State football. If you would have told my ten year old or twelve year old self that Michigan State football would be competing on the national level, looking to go for a national championship. 
I would have thought you were crazy, man. There's no way, you know, coming from some of the the John L. Smith years, which were a bit of a struggle, to now, you know, it's really yeah, it's it's come it's come a long way. But with that with that playoff system, it, it is, and like we were talking about with the the selection committee coming. You know, it looks like teams are taking a little bit of a basketball mindset into it in terms of non-conference because you're looking to build a resume. Resume, excuse me. Now, you're not, um, you know, winning your conference and you get to go to the Rose Bowl. You have to get selected to be in that Final Four playoff. So mm-hmm. you need a little bit of a a beef up in conference schedule. You know, they'll they'll frown upon some some cake games in the non-conference. So, of course, you guys go ahead and respond to that with picking up a. I think. You know, probably it could be the best non-conference football game this upcoming season at Oregon. You mm-hmm. know, um, have you guys really thought that far? Like, what do you guys think about scheduling that tough of a game in the non-conference? Um, I don't know. We 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 don't we don't think that we we're anxious for the season to start, but we don't really think that far into it. We still have spring practice, summer workouts, um, fall ball to go into. So right now we're we're right now. We're just like we're thinking about right now. Um, and we'll think about that when it comes, you know, the week of Oregon, we'll think about it when it comes, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But, um, you know, every game is a big game. We don't, we don't take, we don't take, um, um, teams to consideration of how good they are or how bad they are. It's everybody's on the same playing field. And if we play everybody like they're in Alabama or a, a big, a big time school, you know what I'm saying? If we go mm-hmm. into every game, like, you know, this is a must win and this is the last game of the season, then it shouldn't matter who we play because, at the end, we'll come out on top if we do what we got to do. Absolutely, man. I like I like to hear that. This is like like I said before. This conversation just keeps getting me more excited for the 2014 season. You know, with the uh, the success of last year, and it sounds like you guys you guys are still like you say you didn't miss a step. Yeah. You guys are still rolling. That's a scary thought, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, speaking of losing some positions to fill next year. Some big-time Spartans are looking to go to the NFL, make it in the draft. Uh, they just recently had the Pro Day after the Combine on uh, Tuesday, I believe it was. And, you know, the big name that everybody's looking at right now is Darquez Denard. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a pretty good Combine, ran, you know, four five two forty, which which people were expecting him to be a little slower than that. Uh, unfortunately... It looked like he was kind of outshined by Oklahoma State's Justin Gilbert. Uh, he put up a 4.35 in the 40, and and his his size is a little bit better at, at 6.1, about 2.02, compared to Denard, who was, was measured a little bit under 5.11, about 195 pounds. So, although Denard did not, he, he didn't try to go for another 40 time for his pro day. He did add a standing broad jump of 11.2 feet. And for those of you out there that don't have all the combine results set out right in front of you, that would have tied for the best broad jump at the combine. So very impressive right there. Uh, 36-inch vertical. You can compare that to uh, just he just beat out Gilbert on that one, who was at 35 and a half inches. Um, and then other things like the three-cone drill. He 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 bested Justin Gilbert in that a little bit too. So. And in, in the now nowadays, these NFL draft scouts are looking. I think I personally think they're looking too much at the numbers. Mm-hmm. But you know that's that's a discussion for another day. They look at these numbers pretty hard, and you know at, at first 
it appeared that Justin Gilbert had overtaken Denard a little bit, but after this pro day, um, I, I personally think, and, I, and other people do as well, that Denard made up some ground there and could be uh, could be challenging Gilbert to be that first cornerback selected. Mm-hmm. So you you would know more than us fans. Like you said, you had to go up against the best defense in practice every day. So you've you've seen him in practice. What what do you think his draft stock should be right now? I think people kind of forget that Quez won the the Thorpe Award. Like he was the best corner in the nation. Like there, hands down. Like I I feel personally that he's number one. You know what I'm saying? He's uh, physical. He'll come up and hit you. Good press, man to man type corner. Really, he's fast. Like I don't I don't know where the, these times are coming from. It might be politics. I don't know, but he is fast. I've seen him like hawk down some fast people. Like uh, it was a game. Uh, last year that we no 2012 season I, I won't I, I can't forget this Taylor Martinez broke out down the sideline and he was gone like he he was at least 10 yards ahead of everybody on our defense and Taylor Martinez is fast like he is yeah. a, he is fast they call Quez, him Taylor Swift bro he is fast okay so Quez like I said he's 10 yards ahead now Quez is on the other other side of the field I kid you not he he it, it, he was moving like the grass was moving it wasn't he was it was he was gone like i don't i don't believe the the you know the the um the time they got him at four or five i don't believe that he's way faster than that but uh despite all that uh like i said he's a good he's a good um physical corner um he can press man to man he's smart he knows the defense um i just i just me, me personally going up against him, I know that he's like he's good. Uh, he challenged me, you know. Um, we have a good relationship too. Like he's from Georgia and I'm from Georgia. We might not have played against each other, but when I first committed here, him and Keith Mumphrey were the dudes from Georgia that kind of took me under their wing. It was like, you know, this is what not to do. This, you know, mm-hmm. big brother type stuff, and that's yeah. what I call him to this day, my big brother. And um, before the combine. Um, on Tuesday, he actually came over, and we was just chatting about his experience in the in the combine, and it's just like it's a it's a it's not what people think it is. It's um it's totally different. But um yeah, I think he he I think he should be like first the first corner pick. That's that's what I think because of the the stats and what you go off of this year that just passed. You know him winning the Jim Thorpe. Um, if you pull up stats, they're comparable. Um, him and Justin are like right there, but, um, uh, I, I believe that, you know, Quez is, is a, is an NFL type corner that should be picked first. Yeah, man. Listen up. NFL draft scouts. He is faster than his 40 time. Yeah. Start thinking about that one. I have to agree with you though. Um, you know, I think. People are looking at the combine too hard nowadays. You know, if they want to be, it's just weird how if you want to be that focused on stats and numbers, you know, why take them all from one day as opposed to from the season? Right. You know, um, it just doesn't really make sense to me. I I remember going into the Big Ten championship game. I saw a crazy stat. Um, he was the first corner. In the regular season, it may have changed during the Big Ten Championship in the Rose Bowl, um, but he was the first corner since Deion Sanders to um, what was it? He let up less than one yard per pass in his like in his area. 
which I had to read that three or four times. I was like, this can't be, this can't be true. Under one yard for a pass, like on an average, that was just a pretty absurd stat. Um, I think, you know, and like you said, people forget that he won the Thorpe. You know, he was he was named the best, the best corner. corner in the nation. So yeah. I'm not sure why that wouldn't translate as <coughs> well to the NFL. They're, you know, worried about one inch here on height and, you know, a few extra pounds. You can put on weight. Yeah, you know? if you can play, you can play. I mean, I don't think, you know, running in a straight line for 40 yards determines if you're a good player or jumping uh, as high as you can in one, one spot is – uh, determines how good of a player you are on the field. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know, people kind of like you said they put they put these these um, these stats and these these combine results in front of what what the film says. If you take a look at the film, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. I don't recall a time where Quest got a pass caught on him at all. Like it's been that long, like in the game. So I mean, he's I mean he's just a playmaker. He makes plays. He's on the he's on a Good defense, top-ranked defense in the nation. Um, he's thriving, and he's going up against the best every week, and he's he's on top. You know what I'm saying? So I don't I don't think the re- the results from the combine should dictate where he goes in the draft. I mean, even though it it is going to dictate, I don't. Me personally, I don't think that is it should be a factor because he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. So the Lions have a spot at number ten. You know, pretty early in the <coughs> draft, and and they, the Lions got some, some needs, some pretty glaring uh, weak spots from last season. Uh, one of them mainly, or the two, the two main ones probably were they need another receiver, and they need to fix up that secondary. Mm-hmm. That secondary was just awful. Um, but they went ahead. Uh, NFL free agency is going on, and they picked up Golden Tate from from Seattle who was the best receiver on the best team mm-hmm. in the NFL um so they got him to go opposite of Calvin Johnson that helps Matt Stafford out a little bit so now I I believe they should be turning to cornerbacks and looking for yeah. a cornerback in the draft so you're saying you would you think that it would be a good pick for the Lions to pick up Darquez Denard right there at number 10 I believe it would and the fact that he's from Michigan State a um, uh, Michigan team and you know he bring he if you if you draft him you're gonna bring a lot of fans because you have a lot of state fans in Michigan obviously it'll be um, a big money maker you know he's a playmaker he'll like I said he'll make plays and the fact that he's from Mi- Michigan State that'd be like that'd be not only a wise decision but a good like business decision for the for the Lions I feel like and um, yeah they they do need they do need some work on defense at corner I haven't really looked at you know the stats and you know how they stacked up to other teams last year but he will help tremendously you know what i'm saying so it'd be a it'd be a great pick for him that's a, that's a amazing point that you brought up there that you know i haven't heard i haven't heard many people talking about is the business side of it as yeah. well you know i know a decent amount of people who are michigan state football fans but they just don't really follow the Lions that hard. And that's what, you know, years of disappointing mm-hmm. seasons. And and uh, they're getting better, obviously, but there have been some bad seasons. Their only NFL team to go 0-16. So that kind of can sway people away from trying to watch it. But, you know, I think a lot of these people, if they knew that Darquez Denard was on, on the Lions, you know, there's 
like you said, there was so much love for this football team this yeah. past season for Michigan State fans. It's something that, you know, a lot of us have never seen before. Like you said, it's been 26 years since we went to the Rose Bowl. Our generation, a lot of us weren't alive then. Yeah. You know, so. It'll bring a lot of excitement back to Detroit. You know, I've if they pick, picked up a Spartan, um, a Spartan who's been to the Rose Bowl, won the Rose Bowl, won the Jim Thorpe Awards, a uh, highly acclaimed Spartan right now that would go to Detroit. He he could bring a lot of people, a lot of fans back into the stadium. And that's, you know, it's a business, you know, at the end of the day. So money has to be made, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, that's, you know, it's a great point. It'll, it'll bring new fans. You know, I, I'm sure a decent amount of Michigan State fans would want to pick up a Lions, Darquez, Denard jersey. Exactly. Um, you got people that go to Michigan State, but, you know, say they're from California and they consider themselves a Chargers fan. Well, if they're a Michigan State football fan and Darquez Denard is on the Lions, they might just also become a Lions fan as well. Exactly, yeah. You know, so I yeah I, I agree with you. I think that would be, I think that'd be the best place for Darquez to go. I think it'd be the best pick for the Lions after picking up Golden Tate. Mm-hmm. I was earlier. I was kind of hoping they would try to trade up and get Sammy Watkins at Clemson because he's just an animal out there. Yeah. But you know, there's no need. The, the position was filled. The extra receiver that they needed, that position was filled by Golden Tate, who I think is a great receiver. So now you got to look at that that cornerback position, you know, and, and safety as well. But they did they did a little work with that also in free agency. So I I can't see many reasons why they wouldn't get him. Yeah, I know. mean, it would be the smart decision. Yeah. You heard it here again. That's the right decision, Lions. Go with Darquez Denard. You won't regret it. He's a great player. Everything you need. Every, I mean, really, everything they need and a little more, and too, with the business more. with the business aspect that you brought up. You know, it would fill a, fill a big position. He's ready to be a number one corner. Yeah. Um, he's used to being on his own island. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you know. He brings a lot to the table. We'll see, we'll see what they go with on May. You know, the Lions... Lions haven't been the best at drafting players in the past, but hopefully they get this one right because I think, like you said, also the excitement that it would bring. You know, there's gonna already gonna be excitement around the team going into the season, but then you'd get a little more with Darquez Denard, a big time Spartan coming in and helping out a big position that they need filled. You know, that'd be, I think that'd be smart. But you know, going down the line, you know, some other guys had big pro days. One guy we've talked about a little bit, Benny Fowler, the receiver. He he had a little bit of a of a disappointing combine performance in terms of his forty time. He ran a four five one, I believe, but he came out in the pro day and just smoked it uh, with times <coughs> ranging from four two seven to four three five. You know, I really think that'll help out his draft stock. He was, you know, after the combine, maybe looking at being an undrafted free agent. Uh, I believe that you know him putting up that kind of 40 times since people are so concerned with the 40 nowadays that'll help him out a little bit that should get him that should get him a draft spot i think but you know you you also know him pretty well too he's on the same receiving core what have you seen out of benny that that makes you believe that he's an nfl ready prospect another another dude that i can honestly say that i look up to him and him being another big brother of mine um he's people kind of slide many slide many to the side you know what i'm saying they don't really understand how talented he is you know and really fast he's a really he's a track guy um played basketball in high school 
and great hands, um, runs crispy routes. He's just a big, big body type receiver. You know, any I think any NFL team would um, would uh, they really need to consider picking him up because he's um, he's a he's he's a well developed player. You know what I'm saying? On and off the field, spends hours in the film room um, looking at how he can perfect his craft, uh, running different types of routes, running them different types of ways. Um, you know, knows the offense like the back of his hand. You know what I'm saying? A fifth-year senior. He's been here for a while, you know. But um, now that he's um, going to the next level, I think he'll he'll be he'll tap into he'll tap into a level of his skill set he he didn't know he had. You know what I'm saying? I he I think he can be a lot better than what he um, what he showed in college. You know, given the right um, advice from you know people that's been in the league for a while then that can take him under his wing and kind of show him, you know, that, you know, you can tap into a different type of uh, – he, he can tap into a different type of receiver, you know, like a, a different style, I feel like. But, yeah, people people don't – people don't really they – don't, they don't see it, you know, like I see it, you know what I'm saying? But he's a, he's a good player. He's a really good player. Yeah, I, I like what you said right there at the end, you know, People don't see it how you see it because some of these some of these prospects they're looking at you know a few minutes of film and then a couple workouts from this guy and they make these broad huge decisions on them. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's really evident because you know like you said people don't see it like you see it. You're you know practicing with them almost every day around them all the time. Um, you know something something that was said I was reading by. Uh, draft stocks what they their take on Benny Fowler and they cited you know lack of passion as a potential concern but from what you said it sounds yeah. like it, it, that couldn't be further from the truth yeah far from it far from a great leader you know he speaks up on um a lot of topics a lot of topics dealing with you know the team and where we should where we should go on certain decisions and stuff like that um he's real passionate about the game you know he wants to he wants to learn everything there is about the position that wide receiver, how you can do this, how you can get off the line faster, you know, how to, you know, lose or lose the DB in certain routes, you know what I'm saying, how to uh, get out your break a little bit faster. Anything there is to learn about receiver, Benny is willing to learn about it and potentially, like, perfect any craft, you know, anything he's given, he's um, – he could potentially uh, take off with it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's that type of dude, and people gravitate to him. He's a he's a cool dude, you know. Everybody on the team loves him, you know. You listen to what he has to say because, you know, he has he has you know, that persona like that 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 it, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like any team, if they were to put him in the locker room, would um would be satisfied with the outcome because he you know brings a team together, and uh. He brings that athleticism. Like I said, he played basketball in high school, ran track. He's a good player, you know. And when you look at when you look at when when teams look at it, they see who like they they see who they can draft and they see who can you know come in and be uh, in, like impact from the jump. You know what I'm saying? And I think he'd be one of those players because he just he just fits the, fits the bid. Like good good size, good speed, great hands. Um, great personality can you know talk to anybody you know what I'm saying he's just he's just a good guy all around but I don't think you know 
like I said, that's that's what I see. You know, the, some teams might not even look at it like that. Like I said, it's a business earlier, right? So that might not even be, you know, a topic of discussion when it comes to, you know, drafting a person. But, you know, that's how they spend their money. But I think anybody who picks up Benny Fowler would be satisfied. You know, absolutely. Again, man, it, it's it's good. It's good to hear these things um, from, you know, from your perspective, from a perspective of somebody who can witness it firsthand more because, you know, I, I have a little bit of a problem with some of these, you know, so-called experts on ESPN, CBS, whatever it may be. You know, I think they have they have great knowledge. They've they've been doing the job for years, but there's just so many people that they're evaluating and, and there's only so much time that you can spend on certain people. So, you know, you go out and you read a couple um, takes on a player from some different draft, some draft scouts, and then their take on it gets circulated everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of the networks kind of shove those takes down your throat. And all of a sudden that's what everybody thinks because these experts say it. Um, you can kind of see that with, I guess an example would be with uh, Johnny Manziel. Mm -hmm. You know, in the off season, they saw him at a couple parties, and on ESPN, they tried to. Some people tried to pretty much like crucify him on yeah. uh, on air. You know, they were calling him, you know, like the worst thing to happen to Texas A and M, just like a cancer for the team, mm -hmm. and and all this crazy stuff. And and people people take that as the truth because these again so called experts are saying it. So then that, that becomes a general consensus, you know, and I think people need to look into it a little more and realize who they're getting information from. Yeah. If I'm keeping with the Johnny Manziel um, argument as well, one of the biggest people who was speaking out against him was Mark May. Mm -hmm. uh, you look into Mark May a little bit more, he had, I think, two, two MIPs when he was in college. He was charged with um, like starting a riot. And I believe he got a DUI or two when he was in the league. So, you know, you look at this. This is the guy calling the kid who's doing the same thing, but not as bad. Not as bad. Um, <laughs> you know, bad for the team and just terrible and pretty much saying that Texas A&M shouldn't even deal with them at all. Uh, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like people kind of forget that he's he's younger than me. I'm 21 and he's I think he just turned 21 not too long ago. So. I mean, yeah, he's you know he's 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 young, you know, and I'm not saying he shouldn't like go out and you know do all this stuff, and but I'm also saying he shouldn't you know not have fun. I mean, we're all in college, but at the same time, be a little, you know, what I'm saying you're you're on a different stage, so you should conduct yourself a little differently. Mm -hmm. But I think people forget that you know we we are all college students, you know, um, whether you're an athlete or um, just a regular student, we're all college students, and you know we're enjoying our time in college and I mean I feel like you know at the same time it's kind of a contradicting thing because when you're when you're an athlete people hold you to a higher standard and um, I just feel like if you can if you can like kind of maintain that like you can have fun but you, you can't be out here all like that you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. but I just feel like people tend to just take it a little overboard. Like, oh man, he's not he's not here doing drugs, and you know he's not out all in the social media talking about you know whatever you know anything negative. It's not not that I've heard. You know, I don't think he's put anything bad out there yet. But it's just people just overthinking things, really. Mm -hmm. And it's it's I mean it's not really like that. I don't think. Yeah, and and again, you know, 
that's just kind of people taking a small sample size of who a person might be and making these big broad statements on right. who they are as a person from it, you know? So with the Manzel example, they see like, oh, he was kicked out of this frat at Texas in the summer and people are throwing beers at him and stuff. Oh, he's such a big partier. He's, he's not focused on football. He's bad for the team. And then, you know, bringing it back to the, the draft scouts with, with people like Benny, um, you know, they, I'm not sure what they, what they must have seen, but they were questioning his, his passion for the game of football. And, and I'm assuming it came from, you know, one small sample size of, of something that he may have done. And that really, you, you put that out in the media and people start reading it. And then that's what, then it becomes almost a truth. And that's what everybody thinks. And it's just, it's just too bad that, you know, they're not taking advice more from people in your position yeah. that know them better. I know they interview coaches and stuff. Yeah, you um, should try. And I mean, a suggestion would be maybe to interview a player, you know what I'm saying, just like, or mm -hmm. a couple of players. You know, if you really want to go in-depth with it, if you really want to know about somebody, you should ask somebody that is actually going through what he's going through with him. You know what I'm saying? He, we grind together in the morning at 5.30. We do all these workouts together, and I see him every day. You know what I'm saying? I know I know how he acts, and I know, you know, if he's not passionate about something or, or if he is, you know what I'm saying? So maybe that that could be something that teams do in the future, talk to a teammate or something, because we are closer to each other than people think. You know what I'm saying? We play on Saturdays, but we also hang out, and I see each and every one of my teammates every day throughout the, the year. I see them every day. There is, I don't think there's a day that I don't see them. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I – I could tell you a lot about a person if you, you know, and I believe that anybody on the team can tell you a lot, you know, and just talking about Benny, I'm pretty sure everybody would tell you the same thing, that he's passionate, he's a good leader, very vocal, a positive dude will, like, if he'll ask you if you're doing all right, you know, he's a, you know, joke around, and, you know, he's kind of, he's he's a kind of, he has that persona, like, you know, he's a cool dude, like, he brightens up a room when he walks in it, so I feel like, you know, that could be something teams do in the future to get um, more detailed information if they really wanted to because, you know, they getting all this information from people that aren't, you know, exactly as close as we are, you know, and it could be the wrong information. You know, you don't know. But, I mean, that's what they're going off of, and I don't think <clears> – <throat> I don't think – I don't think it's the right information. I don't think where, where that um, – his passion for the game should be no question. That's what I think, but – you know, I'm not yeah. the I'm not the one that practices with him or nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I like I like that idea. It's something that people should take some notes on. You know, with interviewing a player, because again, like you said, there aren't many people you could find that know him better than people like yourself. Right, players you know, that play with him. Yeah, players that play with him. They might they might be a little worried about biases, because of course, you know, if if your teammates are most likely great friends. Because, you know, I can say from, from my athletic experience, um, even on the, co the college and high school level, uh, you know, you're, you're, some of your teammates, they aren't just teammates or friends, you know, they become brothers. Yeah. And you mentioned it a couple times, and I, I really can connect with that, you know, people that you get up, like you said, at 5.30 in the morning with, you know, you're, you're probably not trying to get up at 5.30 in the morning, right. you know. You'd rather sleep in till 10 or something, but, but that's necessary for, you know, 
seasons like like you guys had last season. Right. You got you have to put in that work, and when everybody says that the blood, sweat, and tears together, you know, you become more than just friends or teammates. You really become brothers and family, yeah. and it's like that. So I can I can understand where they might be worried about potential bias because because that's your brother. You know, you're not gonna speak ill about your brother. That could that can very well go with coaches as well because mm-hmm. I mean no coach would really not that not that I would think would bash mouth in any of their players because you know they go through the same thing we go through they have to wake up at five thirty in the morning too to watch us run yeah and they're putting us through it so I mean I don't think any coach would do that to a player unless he's just all out there just bad you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. but I mean you know there's always bias there's always a little bit of bias I can see where you you can get that from. Yeah, you know, it's just, I think it would just help the process out a little bit more. You know, yeah. you can, you just, the more opinions you get, I think the more the picture starts to become clearer and the picture starts to form better on who a player really is. Yeah. And even if you get a few biased opinions, you know, you'll still get, you know, say your testimony that, you know, Benny is, like you said, he's a good dude. He works hard. He's passionate about the game. He's a vocal leader and, you know, really sounds like a student of the game as yeah. well, and and you know, if I'm an NFL draft scout, I'm I'm listening to this, I'm thinking like, oh, this guy's projected to be potentially undrafted. I could get a steal in the yeah. fifth or sixth round or something. You know, that's it sounds like you know you could get him at a low low price and potentially have you know big gains off of it mm-hmm. smart investment right you know that's what it is like you said a few times too it's a business yeah and and people are looking for these you know solid investments they don't want to invest their money in a bus nobody likes that but mm-hmm. you know you have me convinced at least i'm not a draft scout i'm not a i'm not a gm or anything but <laughs> if i could draft for a team yeah you got me convinced on on and benny fowler and i think that you know other other scouts and gms presidents coaches of nfl teams i think they could potentially be you know convinced or impressed or whatever by by interviewing players as well you know that should be something that they look into i have no doubt that benny benny will be like um drafted at all i don't think he should go undrafted he's he's too talented he's gonna get drafted i i agree especially now uh after putting up the better 40 time I think that there's no way he'll he'll slip into free agency. Yeah. Um, but now it's about if a team wants to to make a quick move, maybe in the fifth round, as opposed to trying to wait till the seventh. It'll kind of become a, a cat and mouse games between teams like that who can who can try to get them at what price, right? You know, and and so let's move on. Let's talk about let's talk about one more guy really quick. Um, Isaiah Lewis, another guy who's been around for a while senior you know he had a pretty solid he had a pretty solid combine day as well you know worked on some stuff during his pro day uh, and he's he's projected somewhere around i think the fifth round uh, what do you think he's another guy on that top ranked defense that you had to go up against every day what were the what were the things that you saw from him that you really can see transferring well to the pros uh, being on the opposite side of isaiah is uh kind of like a thrill because you don't you got to look for him when you're on the field because he will hit you he will smack you he's <laughs> a he's a true he's a he start he plays a true freshman so he has 
um, he had all the knowledge there was to learn know about the defense. He knows the defense like the back of his hand. Um, and he was just he was just like I I remember a couple times where he he hit me really hard and I wasn't looking. And from that point on, I had to actually look for him on the field because I did not want to be hit like that again. He, yeah, he would come I up imagine. and hit you. He's a hard hitter. Um, has great hands. You know, he can catch the ball. Uh, great cover skills. He can cover. Um, another another good athlete. You know what I'm saying? This this team has a lot of athletes, especially in this class that came out. But Isaiah's one of those guys that he's a he's a leader on that side of the ball too, as well as Max and um, all the other seniors that graduated. Um, you know, he uh, he's a he's a cool dude too. He's he's crazy on the field, but you know he'll he'll uh, he'll uh, come off the field and he's like a teddy bear. So. <laughs> I feel like I feel like uh any team will will be lucky to have him um at the safety position or just any special teams. He's coming down, and he's flying. A passion for the game. I I tell you like um uh instance I talked to him one time where he was just like, "You know what? I'm out there and I'm just going to hit anything that moves." He's just like crazy like that. I don't he know anybody. That. I don't know anybody that would, you know, put their life on the line for this game, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, He's uh he's he's a special dude too. Anybody who picks him up is lucky to have him as well. So, you know, I am seeing projections of you know, fifth or sixth round. Do you think that's do you think that's pretty low for him? Uh Um yeah, I think he I think he's a maybe a third or fourth round type pick cuz he he's another playmaker. Um um a little undersized at five ten, five eleven maybe. Um five ten. Five ten, yeah. I think he's about two hundred two hundred plus. Um it's all p- politics really, the height and the and the weight and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um I feel like uh the third or fourth round will suit him good. You know, it, like I said, any team that gets him can put him anywhere on the defense and he's gonna make a play, you know what I'm saying? So or special teams, you know. You people make a lot of money on that special teams too. Yeah. That's probably one of the the uh the the one areas of the of the game that um scouts look at the most can we put you on special teams and then you work your way up to a starting spot on the defensive side of the ball you know so if he finds himself on the special teams i i wouldn't be surprised and then you know after a couple of years maybe you know get a starting spot somewhere but i feel like the third or fourth round is way better than the fifth you know what i'm saying for him yeah and you know that's a good point you brought up about about special teams because a lot of players, especially at a guy at, at safety like himself, do have to prove themselves on special teams mm-hmm. first. You know they can prove that they can make plays, and then you know they can start to get worked into the defensive positions as well. And you know that's a, that's a scary thought thinking about somebody who hits as relentlessly as he and does. pursues the ball as, as as he does. You know with that much steam running right. down the field like that. You know I believe like you that he can make some money on special yeah, teams yeah that cash and make some big hits big too hits, that yeah. and those big hits turn heads you know it's not all about how hard you hit somebody it's, it's more about just getting the tackle yeah, but tackle. people notice those big cracks big, yeah. and those turn heads and and that's and that's really how you can you can move your way up and try to get a, a spot on the defense i i agree with you as well i think i think a fifth or sixth is pretty low seems a consensus for some of these some of these Spartans going into the draft is people are worried about 
potential size limitations mm -hmm. but with all of them they're been playing for a long time this this goes for Danico Salen and Max Bolo as well um, you know they've been they know a lot about the game they were under a great defensive coordinator in Narduzzi who taught them well they have a lot of playing experience like I mentioned and, and I, I believe all these guys have a strong passion for the game I don't think anybody that wakes up at 5 30 a.m. for workouts regularly there's a choice too i mean you can easily just say i'm not going to do this but yeah the fact that we all do it and we get up at 5 30 and run when you don't have to is it says a lot about yeah, it's passion yeah. right there you know I, I i know a fair amount of people who tried the athlete thing out in college and after a while they're just kind of like man screw this maybe i don't want to practice right for now me, yeah. i don't want to you know the the strain of playing college sport can really break somebody's passion for a game and I think to go through with it you have to have a very high amount of passion mm -hmm. for the sport you know so I don't I don't even get why that's why that's a concern but you know the people are people are concerned with the potential size limitations but I don't know if if, if some scouts and GMs can look past that I think they're yeah. potentially be getting a lot of steals in this draft from Michigan State. Diamonds in the rough. There's a mm -hmm. lot of short, or not even short, but there's a lot of players that, you know, don't meet the standards of certain teams, you know what I'm saying? Like um, uh, Tavon Austin, 5'8", uh, you know, wide receiver out of West Virginia. You know, nobody would think he'd make an impact in the NFL at his size, but look at him now. He's on special teams, wide receiver in the slot, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of it's a lot of guys out there that, you know, might not meet that standard, but they're playmakers and they make things happen. So I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think teams should focus on, you know, the the what they see. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it, you know, well maybe they should, but at the same time, like, as far as appearance goes, if if I can do the same thing as six four wide receiver can do, what's and do it better what's the difference between you picking him and picking me you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying i so. agree you know there's a lot of people that are hitting themselves in the head for overlooking a guy like russell wilson because yeah. he's you know prime six example. feet or maybe under but prime example playmaker he yeah. makes plays won the, won the super bowl this year yep made plays at five ten. yeah five ten five eleven something like at that quarterback under six feet right and people you know a lot of scouts and GMs will say they want a minimum of say like six three for a quarterback. Yeah, and, see, they set their they set their bar real high, and then when you know someone comes along that's just below the bar, you know they don't take a chance on him because they, they he doesn't meet the eye test. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like it should just be more than that. You know, you should go off of what a person did, you know, previously, and then you know kind of go forward from there. But you know, don't limit somebody because of you know their height or their weight or something if he has talent he has talent you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying so i couldn't agree with you more on that you know and i think there probably will be a fair amount of nfl teams maybe not this upcoming year but in five six years from now that'll be kicking themselves looking back like man we could have we could have drafted that guy at this yeah. spot instead we got somebody else now you know they they paid their dues they worked their way up and now they're legitimate players on good programs mm -hmm. but you know we'll We'll just have to see how it plays out uh, in May when the draft happens. Uh, it'll be it'll be fun to see some of these talented guys um, going to the NFL. What really quickly bef before we leave here? What's it like for you as a player seeing these guys who are your friends and brothers getting ready to 
you know, live out their dreams, make that next step to the NFL. You know, how how cool is that being able to to see it kind of in that inside circle? I mean, this is this is cool, and it's it's kind of a a special thing because you know, like yeah, I played with him, and we spent all this time together learning, uh, you know, watching teams and me getting his opinion on things and him taking some opinions from me. And um, they actually came in all uh, well. Um, Benny, Isaiah, and uh, Quez all came in and talked to us about the process um, involving the draft and the combine. And it is, you know, you can hear it in all their voices. They're excited. The process is like, it's brutal. Like, Mm -hmm. waiting on who you're going to get drafted by, waiting to see if you're even going to get drafted at all. It's just like, yeah, stressful. You're going through workouts with other players and you see them um, spending money that they don't even have, you know, and you're just like, wow. The quiz was telling us about that um, uh, at, in in the meeting. He's just like some of the dudes he worked out with were just like you know spending money that they didn't have. You know what I'm saying? Getting they have agents that you know give them money and they spend money that they don't have. They're get like the first check you get is not all guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. And they t- they told us all about how uh, people came in and talked to them about paychecks and you know how you work your way up and stuff like that. People don't people don't realize the NFL is a business and it's not what you think it is, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. especially the combine. It's not what you think it is. You you wake up early mornings, you're you're uh meeting all day with different teams, you know, they put you in um rooms and they ask you all sorts of crazy questions like yeah. what what uh you have like two minutes to tell us what uh what the use is for a brick is. Like some crazy questions. Something you would you wouldn't expect somebody to ask you. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I was reading Benny Fowler said they they asked him to come up with as many ways to use a paper clip. A paper clip, right. Yeah. Crazy questions. They're not sure how that pertains to the football field. Exactly. Like they're <laughs> picking they're picking these 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 dudes brains and it's just like, you know, it's a lot to go through, but <clears throat> would you would you blame them? They're putting like thou- millions and thousands of dollars into a person. They want to know your ins and outs, right? Yeah, this is But true. I mean, it's a gruesome process. I mean, uh Benny said it was probably the the worst best experience he's had of his life you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah it's just like it's a tough process to go through and the fact that they come back and tell us about it is um it's cool they let us know what what the inside scoop is and um i'm actually glad that i got a chance to play with these dudes you know so i will pray on the fact that they have a a good nfl career and they get drafted to a good team or would they get drafted period you Mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and they just go on and have a a good career really and uh we'll always keep in touch with them you know so yeah definitely it's exciting times for michigan state football you know you got as we talked about before the 2014 season coming up next year is is definitely one to look forward to and then even now you know there aren't many times that you know michigan state players get a chance to be legit in the NFL recently and it's good seeing a solid class like this go through because I really do believe that they can be successful in the league take impact and yeah exactly make an impact so it'll be it'll be fun to see man great things going on for Michigan State football I just I feel so lucky to be able to talk about it on the radio it's 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 awesome time never been this successful in my life so it's just kind of perfect timing yeah you know but appreciate you being on the show man welcome to the show as well it's 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 a good time and as always again i'm your host dan tyler with the new co-host here andre sims signing off for you on the spartan red zone let's take it easy east lansing